Hi friend, it's 2020. If you're anything like me, this year has been hard. Have you had days that feel confusing, disappointing, or just totally overwhelming? Especially in times like these, and really no matter what life stage you're currently in, do you find yourself looking for something real? Do you ever stay up late at night wondering if there's more to this world than the chaos in your social media feed? Maybe like me, you wonder about things like restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. And truth, I am on an imperfect journey of pursuing Jesus Christ and what it looks like to find those things in a relationship with Him. It's a journey I committed to years ago when I dedicated my life to following Christ, and it's a journey I invite friends to explore with me, even if, and honestly, especially if you're just not so sure about Jesus. So for those who are wandering, wondering, skeptical, or just need some encouragement, we all need encouragement these days, don't we? This podcast is for you. Please come along with me as we journey together towards finding something real. Welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast, friends. This is your host, Janelle Wood. You are listening to the second part of a two-part conversation I had with returning guest, Chan Arnett. If you've listened to part one, you know that we started out um, talking about deep faith questions related to hell, Um, and we're still talking about that, but we've also talked about some other hard things um, that people question about faith and um, not just skeptics or seekers, but definitely believers um, who are maybe thinking, maybe maybe it has to be something else. And that was the question that um, I kind of left off on when I was talking with Chan, um, just letting him know that uh, I definitely have people in my life who um, who are wanting to follow God, but are also starting to question some things that maybe they've believed for a long time and wondering if maybe it could be different. So that was kind of the the part of the conversation that we left off on. And I will share the rest of our conversation right here, right now. Enjoy. It's just this whole idea of taking the things that we don't agree with in the Bible and saying, well, maybe it could be different and changing it around just a little and making everybody feel better. But the problem is then you get back to what you were just talking about with the atonement. Like you don't need it anymore, right? Because we can be good enough or we can, you know, maybe there isn't a hell and all these different things. To assess truth claims is like me using a chalkboard eraser to rebuild my car's engine. Mm -hmm. That's totally the wrong tool for the job. Now, if I'm in a classroom and make a mistake on a blackboard, the eraser is fantastic because that's the proper context and use for that tool. Well, feelings are the last and probably the worst thing we could use to ever form conclusions. That's why God gave us reason and the ability to do so, mm-hmm. um, because that's the tool that gets you truth. Now, you have to lovingly present it, right? You can't just be hateful and grumpy and be miserable and try to be convincing to someone. But, but again, you've got to be caring and concerned and genuine. And I think as Christians, we, we, we need to foundationally remember, we need to be caring and concerned at the same time. Um, what rules the day is truth. Mm-hmm. And the way we get there is reason. Now that's harder to do. And most people 
just don't want to put the work in because it takes work to get to truth. Because there's sometimes people can make simple sweeping statements, but what they say is wrong in at least five to seven categories of knowledge. And you've got to go through and say, well, it can't be because in this area, this is true. And then show that and then show it in another and another. So it takes longer to correct a mistake than making a drive by falsity. And And a lot of people just, they don't hold their attention span. They're just not interested. They, they, well, they just, I feel like that's true. Well, feelings are deceiving. You know, that's guesswork. That's not knowledge. Well, in the Bible, it does talk about in the last days, people will be lovers of themselves and they're going to, you know, man, I can't quote it. But you know what I'm talking about, right? (laughs) No, that's in Timothy. Yeah, like they want whatever their itching ears want to hear. And um, I mean, the last days could go on for a long time. I'm not saying that the end times are here. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah, you <laughs> got to have that disclaimer. People watch it. Oh, no. Just, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, Chan. I am a feeler. And I think that's partly why uh, I love doing this podcast, because I like talking with people about truth um, as it pertains to uh, the Bible and, and to Jesus. But I also want it to be real. And I think... There's a lot of people who do struggle with, oh, man, this is a hard thing, you know, and how do you love and yep. embrace truth at the same time? And I I think it can be done, but it is difficult. So to the person who, and it's so interesting, you mentioned truth um, and feelings, because even last night, <laughs> I, I feel a little tired today because I stayed up late last night talking to my exchange daughter. Um from Taiwan. Mm. And hopefully you'll be okay that I call her out here, but she doesn't listen to the program anyway. So I think she'll be okay. (laughs) If you listen, Ruby, I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, No, I think I'll be okay. Um, But I, we were talking for a while on FaceTime and I was listening to a worship song and you can actually, I thought this was so cool. You can share um, a song with somebody and watch it together. And so we were watching Tarian's I, You Still Do, which has been this beautiful song that has uh, carried me through the last six months or so. Um, and Tarian was on this program uh, a few months ago. Anyway, at the end of watching this moving video, and it's like 11 o'clock at night, and I'm you know taking my contacts <laughs> out, and we're just having a girly feeling kind of moment. Um, Ruby says to me, I don't feel it. And um, I was just like, what? And then later we're having a conversation. And um, anyway, and we were praying. I was praying with her and uh, just praying for truth, um, not just feelings. Because I think feelings um, can be an indicator of a lot of good things. I think that, uh, you know, for those of us who are more right brain, more, you know, (laughs) oh, I want to go with the flow and I want to, you know, I think we're really good about being in touch with people's feelings and having compassion experience in a way that maybe people that are more left brain aren't. Uh, I mean, that's a judgment, but it's also an observation. And um, I I just wonder... um, what would you what would you say to somebody who might be like oh, I just don't feel it you know like uh what what direction would you point them in? Well, I always point to like discipline too. Like when I lift weights and stuff like that, or do any kind of training, I may not be feeling it that day, but I do it anyway because I know I have knowledge and read that it'll work. I know this will work if I do it. I just have to be disciplined enough to do it and not let how I feel um, dictate or ruin my long-term goals or affect on them. Because remember, feelings 
change. That's why we need to anchor what we believe and trust and what we say we know in truth, because truth is unchanging. Feelings change constantly. Mm -hmm. So we don't want to anchor anything in something that's unstable. You wouldn't build a house on a, on a, um, inadequate foundation. Jesus even mentions that in the Bible, right? Him is, he has to be the foundation. Uh, if you, it's like building on the rock versus building on the sand, right? And, um, I think that foundation for what we, um, trust in or think to be true shouldn't be founded on our feelings, but for what we found through reason, what we can actually know and show to be true because feelings at this point are, would be guesswork when it comes to truth claims, mm -hmm. right? Now, I'm not saying you could go by your feelings and have a hunch and it not be right, but what would confirm it's correct? Your feelings wouldn't confirm it's correct. They may have steered you that direction temporarily, but you would use some external reference besides your feelings to determine whether it's true, if that makes sense. The last time you were here, we talked a little bit about, and, and we didn't say it this way, but people are looking for a feelings fix, not a truth fix, right? They're looking for happiness. Yeah, Frank quest. Turek. Yeah, Frank Turek says that all the time. Great places. Most people are on a happiness quest, not a truth quest. So yeah. if something makes somebody happy, whether it's true or not, I got to give a shout out to Jay Warner Wallace as well. Great friend of mine. But he always says, um, he'll hear people say, well, that just doesn't work for me. Christianity mm -hmm. doesn't. He said, well, he said, I'm not a, I'm not a Christian because it works for me. He said, I was perfectly happy being a rabid atheist. <laughs> he said, yeah. being a Christian's hard. He said, but I do it because it's true. Yeah. And that ultimately is what works. Mm -hmm. Something may seem to quote work, um, even if it's false, but that doesn't mean it does ultimately. It's not, it's not a reflection of reality, the way things well, actually work. And at the end of the day, Christianity is really about surrender, right? It's surrendering to God's sovereignty and not ours. Yeah. The truth. Yeah. Cause you got to believe the foundational truth claim. There's actually two things. And Jay Warner Wallace says this too. It's about belief that so trusting that something is true, which you should only do if you have good reasons. And we've got good reasons because there's evidence for the resurrection, which is literally the foundational claim of Christianity. Paul even says in first Corinthians 15, 12 through 19, he basically says that if, you know, God didn't raise Jesus from the dead, then basically I'm paraphrasing, obviously, that this whole thing's a sham and even they're found to be false witnesses of God because they're saying he raised him from the dead when he didn't. And we would have no hope and we'd all still be in our sins, right? So the resurrection, the foundational claims, we can trust that it's true and have good reasons for doing so because there's evidence. But then that's not where you stop at though. That doesn't make one a Christian. One could still be lost and still not receive the pardon for their sins because they don't trust in Jesus as a person. So you got to trust that it's true and then trust in him as a person. And that's what you're talking about, the surrender aspect. Hmm. But it's based on or founded on belief that it's true, that he is who he says he is. We wouldn't blindly trust in anything, right? We've got to know that it's true and genuine. And then we submit to it. And, but the, but the truth question, I think, is prior to the surrender or, mm -hmm. or else we would just be out surrendering to anything and everything without any knowledge. Right. right. So, but yeah, th those two both go hand in hand. So I like the distinction Jay Warner Wallace makes. you got to go from belief that to belief in, and we do apologetics to get people to the belief in, you know, believe that it's true part, but ultimately we've got to bridge that other gap to get them 
to trust in Jesus as well. It's not enough mm. that they that they believe that it's true. They got to trust in him as a person. It's interesting. I feel like most people, I, I mean, I, I'm not, a, you know, stati- another word that I'm not sure how to pronounce, <laughs> statistician. <laughs> A statistician. Uh, but I would guess most people come to Christ the other way. Uh, belief in and then belief that comes secondary. Um, because well, would they not have knowledge that he is? Because if they believe that he's their savior, they would have to have knowledge that he rose from the dead. They had to believe that he rose from the dead first, right? Yeah. Well, but I'm, I'm just saying, I think we talked about this on the last episode we did together. You, A lot of people, when they come to Christ, it's this emotional feeling. Um, it can be. Yeah. Experience. Yeah. Um, I know for you, it was different. And but I think then, especially growing up in the church, you know, or having grown up in a Christian home, there's this uh, my parents, uh, you know, are teaching me this, I'm going to believe it. Um, and I'm going to, I have had like these great feelings associated with going to church or believing in Jesus and stuff. But then later on questioning those things and going, can I really trust? Uh, oh, I see what true? you're saying now. Yeah. I, w- I wasn't saying that people have to come to God, um, based on evidence. What I, cause I think what we, I think we may have talked about this last time. I think people yeah. can come to God wholly apart from evidence, through the inner witness of the Holy Spirit, but he testifies to our spirits, according to Romans 8, that the basic foundational claims of the gospel are true in a properly basic way. So mm-hmm. it still wouldn't be feelings and surrender prior to belief that. It would still be belief that through mm-hmm. assurance of the Holy Spirit, um, apart from examining or examining or investigating it. Does that make sense? But you still have to believe that it's true, even if you haven't examined it evidentially. So I think believe that will still always precede surrender because you have to know what you're surrendering to before you can surrender. Yeah. Well, and you have to, you're not going to surrender to somebody that you don't trust, you know, and you're exactly. not going to fall. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I think believe that will always precede that. Now that may look different for everybody. Some people may come to believe that through evidence. Some people may come to believe that it's true on on the inner witness of the Holy spirit alone, apart from evidence. Mm-hmm. And that's where we talked before. I think that's where apologetics is so important because independent of how we came to know that it's true mm-hmm. to be able to show it's true, which we're commanded to do. We all need to be able to be proficient in showing it's true to other people, showing people that it's true yeah, and bringing them to believe that. Well, Chan, that makes sense. I, it does. And I was just going to say, mm-hmm. Chan, you're doing a good job. You're doing a good job of uh, showing yourself a worker, a worker approved. Is that what it talks about well, in the Bible? I, I, feel like, I feel like I'm not. I feel like I'm so far away from where I need to be. And uh, I'm just not that good at it, but I appreciate it. But, well, uh, I think, you know what, though? It's, it really is about being surrendered to the Lord, at least, um, you know. Yep. And in my simplified feelings version, I think <laughs> uh, it, it truly is about just saying, God, you know, I'm broken. I need you. Um, I want this free gift. I want to know you. Um, help, help me. Exactly. That's what it was for me. I mean, it really was. I mean, I, I realized the need. I believe that this is true. And now I realize my need is in so insurmountably great that it can only be met yeah. in one way, and that's through Christ. And that's yeah. you know, that's the most important thing. And and as a disc, can I add a disclaimer here? Yeah, I sure. don't want anybody to think I'm anti-feelings. Feelings are great. God <laughs> gave them to me. I'm just talking about in a specific context, they're a bad thing. In any other context, yeah. I think they're absolutely wonderful. 
Um, yeah. So I don't want anybody to think I'm knocking on feelings in general. I'm just not. Chan Arnett, you can email him. And- <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Send me all your anti uh, feelings, angry emails. No, but, no, no, uh, no. But no, I just, I did want to add that because feelings are a wonderful and powerful thing. There's a reason why we have them. But mm-hmm. I think we can, I think a lot of, not just feelings and reason, but I think a lot of times people use reason in the wrong context too. I think people can use, abuse anything that God has by the God's given us by using it in the wrong context, no matter what it is. It's just, we were in the context of talking about assessing truth claims and feelings is the last thing we want yeah. to do to, cause it, there's no way to assess them based on feelings. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. all I was saying, but I'm not anti <laughs> You're good. Um, it was interesting. We, we started this conversation talking about uh, God's love. We've kind of talked about it the whole time. Um, the other day I was reading something and it was, it was really interesting. And of course I didn't uh, write it down. I'm sure I took a screenshot <laughs> of it and didn't prepare it, but whatever. Um, let me see if I can remember. It was kind of this idea that um, when we preach something out of fear, where it's fear-based, like mm-hmm. the fear of hell or whatever, um, the only people that we draw in are the people who are already part of that. They already feel like, yeah, you know, and, and it becomes like this protective cocoon. But when we uh, talk about something out of love, like the love of Christ, this free gift, that it opens it up and it welcomes people to um, to come to Christ. And I, I just want to wrap up this conversation. And then, you know, there's a final question that I always ask all my guests. But <laughs> Um, (laughs) do you agree with that? Do you think, because I know that there's in the past, especially maybe in the 1800s or so, maybe even earlier in the church, this idea of fire and brimstone, you should be totally afraid of hell. And, and I liked the example you gave earlier of the guy who knew the penalty, but chose otherwise. Um, do you, do you think that when we have these conversations about hell, especially as we go about our day and we're, we're talking with people who maybe have questions about the Christian faith, um, that we need to be cognizant of the fact that they, it has to be about love and not about fear. Well, I mean, what do you think? Well, I think it has to be both. Um, I'm one of those guys, I think it's both. Cause I think if not, we elevate one attribute over the other. We need to talk about God's justice and God's love because, if we don't talk about justice, then there's no penalty for wrongdoing. What do you need saved from? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? But at the same time, knowing that he loves us enough, he came and took it upon himself to ensure our salvation. Yeah. Um, that's important too. So I think a balanced approach is always what's going to win the day. And I think that both his just that his justice is a product of his goodness and his love. I don't think those are mutually exclusive things. Now I do think what you're saying, people can present it in a way in which it's not. And I think that's true of both sides. God's just so loving, at least the universalism on one hand, or God's just so va- you know, vengeful and wrathful on the one hand, you, you think he's not loving at all. And yeah. I think both of those approaches are unbiblical and unwise. And mm-hmm. also something else people say, well, God don't send anybody to hell. We send ourselves there. And I think we didn't get to talk about freedom, but that's a big part of it too. So if the ultimate ethic is love, the foundation for love is built on two pillars, freedom and trust. Mm -hmm. So without those two things, there can be no such thing as genuine love because God can't, just as it's logically impossible to have a married bachelor, one could be married or a bachelor, but you can never be both at the same time because by definition, if you're one, you're excluded from being the other, right? 
So that's something we would say is logically impossible. Something else that's logically impossible is to have somebody make a forced free decision. By definition, if it's forced, it's not free. If it's free, it's not forced. So in that sense, people end up reaping justice and the penalty for their own sin for freely rejecting the pardon that he's offered. And that's mm-hmm. the people who end up in hell, eternally separated from God, because they chose that freely because they don't want any part of God. They don't want to trust him. They don't want to acknowledge their own sin wrongdoing. They want to, they, they just want to do what they want to do, their own selfish desires. They, that's more important than the pardon, just like George Wilson in the example we gave. Mm-hmm. So freedom plays a big part in it too. And we can talk about that forever. So I won't, I won't go any further on that, but, but so does that make sense? That, yeah. In that vein, God doesn't send people to hell that you, you right. choose. Um, he just meets out justice in the sense that he permits it because, and he knew this is again, a whole nother topic, but, uh, and my buddy, Tim Stratton, I'm, I just know I'm wearing a free thinking ministry (laughs) shirt. My buddy, Tim Stratton's excellent on this as well. He's actually got a book too. You don't mind me showing that. No, go ahead. Human freedom, divine knowledge, and mere Molinism. Yes. Okay. And it's excellent. He mentions this topic a little bit in the book, but his book is focused on the freedom aspect. So Dr. Craig focuses on the atonement in that book I showed, but uh, the bedrock to understanding God's goodness and justice and answering the question, can God send people to hell? You also have to have a, a really deep, I think, understanding of human freedom. And mm-hmm. Tim's book literally hits a home run on this. So um, I think to understand this topic best, I think those two books, the one by William Lane Craig and also the one by Tim Stratton, will help on the atonement and also on human freedom. I, I, want talk, to ask I blabber you, mouth too much to, no, no. to talk about freedom. You, but You just opened up a little bit of a can of, you know. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, no, I want to ask a question. This right. is another hard one. Right. Um, what about people who've never heard? about Jesus. And that's actually where Molinism, not modal, modalism, M-O-D-A-L-I-S-M is a form of uh, heresy that denies the doctrine of the Trinity. Um, Molinism is a model of how we can understand how God's being all-knowing and all, all um, powerful. I mean, all um, sovereign. I mean, his control, sovereignty, I mean, his providence, his governance of the world is compatible with human freedom how we can genuinely be free. So Molinism is a model of divine omniscience that is primarily scriptural, but also touches on philosophical issues. Anybody who touches on that issue is going to get into philosophy. Mm. So um, that's something we could have a talk on too, because that's something I love. But um, Well, I'm just wondering about the person who says, well, what about the person, you know, who lives in Africa, who grows up never knowing about Jesus? Well, and that's where Molinism comes in handy, because Molinism says that the way it preserves human freedom, and this is just a short run by thing, is God has, prior to his creative decree to bring the universe into existence, he has knowledge of what would be the case if. So, you know, the movie, Mm -hmm. It's a Wonderful Life. The black mm-hmm. and white. I love that movie, right? I love that movie too. George Bailey. Yeah, absolutely. And old Clarence. But, I had uh, a dog named George Bailey. That's awesome. <laughs> well, uh, it's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> it is. Mine too. Me and my wife watch it every year. But uh, so in that movie, um, the angel grants a request to George Bailey. He got to see what the world would have been like if he had never been born. So it's true that if those circumstances would have obtained, the world would have been that way. So it's true, but it's also counter to fact and that it didn't happen in the actual world. 
but it's what we call it. So they call those would if statements, true counterfactuals. So God knows what any person would freely choose in any given set of circumstances he might, he might place them in. Therefore, he preserves human freedom, but he knows exactly what they will in fact choose once he decrees the one of those, one of those what if scenarios into existence. He knows what in fact will be the case infallibly without determining any of it. So he knows if he places somebody over here, what circumstances it would take to bring about them trusting in the Holy Spirit and um, giving their life to him. And also he, he judges us since he is just, we talked about his justice. He judges people based on what revelation they had. For instance, Mm -hmm. the old Testament saints had never heard of Christ. They only had a shadow of the things because the old Testament pointed to it, but never flat out told us. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, those people, like I said, Abraham was saved on credit. It was credited to him as righteousness. So anybody who dies apart from Christ, who've never heard the gospel, will be judged justly based on the revelation that they had. And they still won't die apart from Christ because his atoning benefits, um, if they trusted in God accordingly, would still apply and be credited to their account based on the revelation they had. And this is in Romans Mm -hmm. 1 and 2 is where you can find that written in the text. So does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I think And no um, one in Acts 17 real fast, it actually says that God sets the habitation, the boundaries and everything for human beings. So God knew what it would take for anyone to freely come to trust in him. And he arranges those freedom permitting circumstances and then they exercise their freedom and they trust in him. Yeah, I, I it makes sense. And I, I appreciate you uh, fleshing all that out. I think for me, it's come down to God is God and I am not, <laughs> well. you know, and there's a, there's a lot of things that maybe I don't understand, but that I, I right. take on, you know, if I know that he's good, if I know that he loves, if I know that he ultimately desires that no one would perish, uh, then there's a lot of things that I don't necessarily feel like I have to understand, but I appreciate understanding them a little bit deeper. So that way, like what you were sharing earlier, why you love apologetics, which is to give a defense for the Christian faith. So that way, when I do have conversations (laughs) with people who bring up those kind of topics, I'm like, well, actually, you know, there's this argument or this idea or whatever. And so I appreciate that. I'm going to have to look up Molinism because I think I just was like scrolling and saw something about that. uh, It might've been something you did. Well, did you write about it? Yeah, I mentioned it. And I, Okay. And um, I will tell you this, one of the most misunderstood positions by the opposition is Molinism. So if you look up Molinism, look it up from people who are actually Molinists, because it seems like a lot of non-Molinists extremely, to an extreme degree, mischaracterize it or misunderstand it. And sometimes they don't mean to, but um, so I would get, I would, I would make sure you get your answers from an actual Molinist. But sometimes people right. will say, what is, like if they're a Calvinist, they'll be like, what is Molinism? They'll read a Calvinist talking about Molinism when the Calvinists don't even know what it is and it's critiquing a straw man. And then they're like, oh, well, I reject Molinism too. When actually Molinists reject what they're saying, that they're calling Molinism. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because they yeah. misunderstood it. And that's true of any position. I try to do that on any position. Go to the strongest proponent or proponents of that position and say, is it coherent? Does it make sense? And is it true? And then go from there. Hmm. Well, Chan, the Finding Something Real podcast 
is about a journey towards restoration or redemption, eternity, authenticity, and love. Those are all gifts that we can find in relationship with Jesus Christ. Which of those stand out to you the most in your life right now and why? To me, it's still authenticity because authenticity and truth are intertwined. And Jesus, when he was asked in front of Pilate, are you a king? He said, yeah, you're right in saying I'm a king. And then he paused and he said, for this reason I was born and for this reason I came into the world. He said, to testify to the truth. He says, everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. So if that's the case, then I think the truth should be absolutely foundational and critical uh, for us as Christians. And that means we need to take it more serious, um, mm-hmm. not just finding it, but then obeying it. And mm-hmm. and I think that's what, that's, that's what authenticity is about to me. Yeah. Well, I sure appreciate you coming back on here. I appreciate your authenticity and all the resources that you've shared. I'll be sure to link all of those in uh, the show notes. And um, maybe we'll have you back on here in six months or something like that and have you talking about something else that uh, I need help understanding. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. Until next time. Thank you, friend, for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast. This is a grace-filled Christ-centered podcast for those who are wandering, wondering, or simply needing to be encouraged in their faith journeys. I hope you'll come back next week when I'll most likely be sharing a conversation with another guest about their journey towards finding something real. And if you're on Instagram, please come find me. On Fridays, I share Instagram Live podcast recaps at 11.45 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So if you're over there on the gram, you can join me for some fun live podcast awkwardness. <laughs> and finally, if you're someone who was encouraged by today's podcast, and you have friends who would benefit from hearing the story shared here, would you go ahead and share? You can do that by hitting subscribe, leaving a review or sharing a link. You're telling others about this podcast helps bring other people along. And finally, just so you know, if you only remember one thing about this podcast, I hope it is this. No matter who you are, or what you've done, Jesus Christ loves you, and a real relationship with Him is a treasure trove of restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. He's offering that gift to you today. I pray you believe it.